Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. On today's podcast, we drank Ming River Baijiu with their director of education, Derek Sandhouse. As our international listeners probably know, Baijiu is very popular around the world, but it's still relatively new in the United States, and Ming River is one of the first people to be selling it here in the U.S. Ming River only offers one expression at the moment, so Derek brought in two other brands of Baijiu so he could really show us the full spectrum of it. He also brought in Chinese dumplings, which pairs perfectly with Ming River, and we highly recommend eating and drinking together. If you're enjoying this podcast, please make sure to tell your friends, share it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Be sure to follow us on all those places at Spirit Guide SOC. And if you're so inclined, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review, say something nice about us. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Always remember to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't go into a Chinese restaurant and order your chicken chow mein in a really racist, stereotypical Asian accent. That isn't cool. It's called the slow clap. Okay. You like the slow clap? All right. Oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. That was you did pretty good for a first time. Well, that, thank you, it's, thank it's, you. It's, You're a gentleman. Yeah, it was. It was a, a slow. It's Monday, you know. By Friday, we do a really, really fast clap. So you got lucky. Just, no, I mean, we always do that on Monday nights here. So welcome to the Whiskey Society, everyone. Uh, we're actually launching a, a, a new spirit for us here in Southern California, but something that's actually the world's most, the most consumed liquor in the world. In fact, it, it sells more than vodka, rum, and gin combined, right? Throw whiskey in there too. Throw, I'm not gonna do that, bro. <laughs> I gotta check the stats to actually make sure. They're, they're claiming a lot, okay? They could be pumping up the numbers a little bit. No, but over 10 billion liters sold. Derek, how in the hell did you get into the Baijiu game, man? Okay, well, I was living in China for about seven years. I lived my first five years in Shanghai, and I got into writing about Chinese history while I was there. And then um, after five years, I briefly moved back to America, and then um, I was sent back to China for my wife's uh, work, and we ended up in a place called Chengdu. Yeah, my wife She's is, here. is here. So she um, has brought us all here tonight. And She uh, didn't pick me up. I got, got myself here. <laughs> She's supposed to pick me up, and I missed the pickup. She dropped me off at 7.30. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, she's making the rounds. Well, <laughs> sir. No. Oh, my. Oh. Don't be too easily I, I insulted. Okay, I know, I know. It's the whiskey study. I say a lot of inappropriate things. Kind of goes along with the whiskey. But where, where so you, you went back to China. I went back to China to, this to time to a place called Chengdu, which Chengdu. is in the southwest of China. Okay. And um, it's a, the capital of a province called Sichuan. And Sichuan is the leading producer of Baijiu. About 70% of all the Baijiu that they make in China comes from this one place. And it's um, mostly in this one style that is going to be part of our tasting later. So but, that's really interesting. We'll get into yeah. styles because the thing that I, I, I'm really excited about, like launching this beer, because uh, I recently was a, was a judge in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, and among the, the spirits nerds, like everybody's freaking out 
about Baijiu. Uh, Camper English actually uh, introduced me to bringing you guys in. He helped uh, get you guys in here tonight. And so I was really excited to, to help launch this in the States. Now in China, they've got different styles of Baijiu. It's also called a Xiaoju. Is, is... Um, Xiaoju is an older term for it. It's the same word as a uh, soju and shochu in okay. uh, Korean and Japanese. So it's a family of spirits that are all from the same part of the world. But traditionally, I thought that shochu is just generally distilled once. Is that correct? Like it only comes up to about 40 proof as opposed to 80 proof or like some of this stuff. Traditionally, baijiu can be as high as like 130, 135 proof, right? Right, and that all has a lot to do with how you're fermenting and distilling the spirit, but they all are united in that the families of East Asian spirits are all grain-based and they're all fermented using um, wild yeast cultures, um, what they call koji in Japan or chu in China. Okay, and so chu, and that's spelled Q-U with a little... Q-U, yeah, yeah. Q, okay. But that's <laughs> like, if you've ever had uh, tempeh, uh, it comes in, it's kind of like, it comes in bricks, and it's, it's soybeans, and if you look really closely, you might think, like, that looks like soybean mold. And it essentially is, but it's, it's tasty. If you've never had tempeh, I strongly recommend it. I'm a hippie kid from Oregon, and <laughs> I love my tempeh. I don't know, some people like, no, but I, I do. Um, but it's kind of like that. You guys, you take sorghum and you do what they call a uh, semi-solid fermentation, meaning that you create these bricks and it's not just yeast. Though You say wild yeast, but I believe that's an oversimplification. It is. Because koji is actually a bacterium, not so much a yeast strain. Am I right? Well, koji, um, there's different kinds of koji, but most of them do have a mold in them. So chu is basically a... You make it by mixing grain together with water and then letting it dry out over about a month in an airtight room and it absorbs whatever lives in the air. So you've got mold, yeast, and bacteria in that order. And what happens is once you mix the chew together with freshly steamed grains, the mold will convert the starch of the grain into sugar at the same time that the yeast is converting it into alcohol. So you're left with a solid clump of grains that is fermented kind of in a process similar to making kimchi. Wow, that's crazy. And so then how do you distill that? If it's semi-solid, how do you run it through a still? Right, so you start the baijiu making process by steaming the grains, then you add the chew, and it begins fermenting. So you're left with this semi-solid, um, mostly solid uh, pile of grains that has alcohol inside of it. You put it back in the steamer that you used to cook the grains with originally. And what happens is as it, it's shaped basically like a giant vegetable steamer or like a dim sum like yeah, dumpling yeah, like steamer. Yeah, like a tower. Yeah, it's, it's a big pot still. You shovel in the grains and then the steam runs through them. And as it travels through the solid mash, it's um, distilling the alcohol inside the grains and continually condensing and redistilling as it travels through the mash. So you can take uh, you know, uh, a mash that's maybe four to five percent alcohol by weight. They do it by weight instead of volume because, because it's solid. solid. Yeah. So, and that can end anywhere from like 45 to 65, 70 percent ABV in a single distillation. Wow, that's crazy. So it's like this big sponge. Is it spongy or is it pretty hard like a, a it, brick? Um, the, the mash? Yeah. Yeah, the mash looks pretty much like mulch. It's okay. just a, you know, kind of 
dirty, damp-looking pile of grains. So not like in the whiskey-making process where you have this like slurry, something that might look like a really cloudy beer or even something like that looks maybe like a, a bowl of really thin cream of wheat or something like right. that. Right. So it's right. not like that. It's, it's, it's much more semi-solid. Yeah, I would say it's mostly solid. Um, with some of the styles of baijiu, uh, particularly rice-based baijiu's, you're working with something that has a lot more liquid to it. And so that you can distill in a couple of different ways, either using a Chinese pot still, um, which uses steam, as I was just describing, or you can actually press the liquid out of the, uh, the rice and just distill the liquid. So once you take that brick of the chew and put it in with your grains, how long does that fermentation go on? So and it's, it's not just fermentation because it's also a, a what they call a sacrination. Is that sacrification? Right? Sacrification. Yeah. Okay, right. so the, it's also creating sugars at the same time as it's creating alcohol. Right. Exactly. So um, with all with all grain-based alcohols, you have to first convert the starches into sugar and then the sugar into alcohol. In the West, when we're making whiskey, we do this in two separate steps. Um, but with baijiu, because you have the chew that has the mold and the yeast together, you can do them at the same time. Wow, so incredible. I'm so intrigued by the whole thing. Um, so how long does that take? So usually it takes about a day or two to kick off the fermentation. Um, it can begin even within a few hours. But the difference is between the different styles of baijiu are largely determined by how long they're fermenting the grains. So the first baijiu that we're going to taste tonight is fermented only a few days, uh, maybe a week. Whereas the second one is about two to three months at a time. And the last one uh, uses several different distillation cycles. And the last cycle, the grains have been fermenting for about eight months. Well, I was doing my due diligence of research, which is a rare thing, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, uh, but the, the, the funny thing is, is, you know, I'm sure some of this is lost in translation. But the different styles of, of baijiu can be described by their aromas. So they have what they call light aroma, strong aroma, sauce aroma, phoenix aroma. I've never smelled a phoenix in my life, but uh, they smell great. I've been to Phoenix. <laughs> I don't know if you want to make a spirit out of that. Um, mixed aroma, which is either very complex or very confusing. I'm not sure which, maybe both. <laughs> Medicine aroma, extra strong aroma. These are just some of the categories. I didn't write down the whole list even, all right? And then special aroma. Mm -hmm. That sounds suspect, right? Special aroma? Do you really want it to be too special, extra special? So are we going to have any of that? Are, are there any of those styles we covered tonight? Yeah, so there's. Um, 12 different styles of baijiu, and each one of these are considered different spirits in their own right. So baijiu is a Chinese word that just literally means white alcohol or white liquor. So it's the entire family of all the different alcohols they make in China, and they can be as different from one another as whiskey, tequila, rum, gin, whatever. But tonight we're going to try three of the four most popular categories in China. Um, we're going to try rice aroma, and then we're, which is made from rice. And then we're going to try two different uh, sorghum-based baijiu's, uh, strong aroma and sauce aroma. And that sauce is in soy sauce. And you'll find out why once we get All right, that. all right. 
So let's get into this. You guys are some of the first folks in LA to be able to try this new Ming River Baijiu. How long have you been in the Southern California market now? Like We've been here about a year. A year? Yes. Why, how come we're just launching it now? Well, um, you know, good things are worth waiting for. Chant here. Oh, oh, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. All right, bro. Well, what we're trying right now, this first one is not actually made by Ming River. This yeah. is. Oh yeah, yeah, because we're we're not just tasting Ming River. No, no, no. We're no, trying no. to get a variance of style to like exactly really help folks wrap their mind around what Baijiu is. So this first one we're trying uh, is a style called Rice Aroma Baijiu, and this is made from a rice base, and it's fermented using a chew that is also made from rice. Uh, this style comes from southeastern China, and it's usually made um, with a fermentation period of about a week. Usually they ferment the, the rice in stone jars, um, and then it is distilled usually one time. So it tends to be very mild, because with baijiu, you're always pairing baijiu with food. In China, they don't drink baijiu at bars. They drink it at restaurants. So you want to pair the baijiu with the flavor of the food from that region. And the food in southeastern China, where this comes from, tends to be very mild. Lots of seafood, lots of steamed dumplings, a little bit of vinegar, but nothing too strong. So this is a very mild, um, approachable baijiu. It's got a little bit of that you know, funk that all baijiu's have. But Mostly, I think it's most similar on the nose to somewhere between like a sake, a soju, or a vodka. Um, All right, so stick your uh, nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, and please share your opinion. What are you reminded of as you smell this Ming? Uh, what, what's the name of the brand? I don't want so to So what we're tasting here is uh, called Vin, and this is actually the only Baijiu that's produced in the United States. Oh. It's from a distillery not far from where you are uh, in Oregon. Um, I'm in California right now. Yeah, well, you told me you came from Oregon. I come from there, but yes. <laughs> I've been standing in this bar for 20 years. There it is. Vin, this is made up in Oregon? Yeah, so this is made in a town called Wilsonville, Oregon. Oh, by... just outside of Portland. Exactly. So it's made by a family called the Lees, who are um, Vietnamese-American. And they come from just south of the Chinese border in an ethnically Chinese village. And their family has been using this recipe to make baijiu for seven generations. And they were running a Chinese restaurant in the Portland area and decided um, that they wanted to make their father's dream come true. So um, all of the siblings banded together and opened a distillery that made this baijiu about five or six years ago. And you're just like bringing a little love their way just Absolutely. out of the kindness yeah. of your heart. Well, Baijiu is a new category, and we want to introduce the world to the category. Right on. Yeah. That's really cool. Thank you. So what do you guys think of this Vin Baijiu from up in Portland? In a nice little town called Wilsonville. Nutty? Mm-hmm. Bread dough? What's the proof on this one? So this one is 40% ABV, so 80 proof. 80 proof, so it should be pretty easy sipper. What else are you guys reminded of as you smell this Vin Baijiu? Barley, yeah, I, I get grain. It's, it reminds me of grain. It's rather astringent. It's not super complex, but I, I mean, it is technically, that's why we're launching it in the whiskey side, because it's not like rum. It's not like brandy. This is made Absolutely from grain. It's, it's an adjunct grain, but it's grain nonetheless. What are you guys getting? Barley, you getting that riceness? Celery? Okay, that's good. 
what would you pair this with in terms of food? Because um, we have little snacks on the table. They can't see this in the podcast world, but you brought some sweet little snacks and then some kind of spicy snacks. Which one does this go with? Well, actually, dumplings are on their way. And the oh. dumplings are the things that I would most pair this with. <laughs> with, uh, with this one, okay. With this one in particular. So the food in this region, uh, yeah, you're dealing with a lot of uh, dumplings, a lot of like lighter food. Um, tends to focus more on texture than like strong flavors in this region. So I would pair What's it with- What's the texture um, that we're looking for, smooth? All kinds. So um, they like to do a bunch of different seafood. So you've got, you can pair this with uh, steamed fish, crab. Um, I think the flavors pair nicely with like some vinegar with ginger in it um, would be, be quite nice. Okay, yeah. all right, excellent. And do you know if we were going to start our Baijiu collection for our home bar, yes. how much would a bottle of that Vin run you at the local liquor store? I believe Vin goes for about $30 for a $750. Cool. And you can, uh, it's actually uh, sold in California. So and you can find this. Not aged town. though. This is not put into a barrel to age, or is it, is it rested at all in either glass or stainless just to kind of meld itself to itself or make it a little more mellow? Um, I don't know specifically how Vin ages their baijo, but the, the typical way of aging a baijo, you usually rest it for about six months to two or three years, and that'll always be in a neutral surface. So um, the more inexpensive baijos tend to be rested in stainless steel, but the traditional way is in uh, terracotta clay pots. And the idea is just to allow some like light oxidization, mm -hmm. um, kind of mellow out some of the rougher aldehydes and further develop the esters within the spirit. Excellent. So how big are those earthen pots that you're resting your baijiu in? Uh, they vary in size. Some of them can be quite small. Some of them can hold um, a ton of baijiu, which is roughly uh, about 1,000 liters. Wow, and then when you go to bottle, after all that resting, does it matter how big your batches are for bottling, or is it? Yeah, so this is a rather new process. I'm learning more about Baijiu all the time myself as I travel through China and meet new uh, historians and scholars on it, but um, I think traditionally Baijiu was just taken straight out of the barrel and sold that way, or out of the, uh, out of the, pots. the pot, out of the like pot. sold in the market straight, yeah, just, like just ladling just ladled, from the pot. ladled out of the pot. Sure, but, sure. Um, today it's much more common to blend uh, the Baijiu. So to go around and taste many different batches because um, everything, depending on how you're making it, um, what season you're making it in, the, the, the microorganisms that live in the air will be quite different, so the flavor can vary significantly. So what blenders try to do is they try to get as many different flavors as possible within the baijiu, um, but keep them in balance. So you want a lot of flavor in your baijiu, but you don't want any one flavor to outshine the others. So when you say they're blending, they're blending, like, I'm assuming different ages of those resting pots? Um, different distilleries have different methods. Um, and there's about 10,000 distilleries in China. So you get a pretty big variation. Um, it will also depend a lot on the style of baijiu. And um, once we talk about this second baijiu, um, you'll understand a little bit more of why the blending is so important. Is this our second one, the Ming River? Our second one is Ming River. Okay. So this is the company that um, I 
founded with a few other guys who were involved in starting the first Baijiu cocktail bar in Beijing. So Ming River is made in southwestern China, in Sichuan. It's from a distillery that's called uh, Luzhou Laojiao. And this is the oldest distillery in China. Um, they've been continuously producing this style of Baijiu since 1573. Wow. And the reason that that's important is that strong aroma baijiu, the style of baijiu that they invented, is uh, continuously fermented. And so what that means is they ferment uh, a sorghum-based mash um, over and over again. So 75% of the last batch is recycled into the next batch with fresh grain. Wow. So. The other thing, reason that it's important is they use a style that's called old pit fermentation, where they ferment the, the sorghum in mud pits that are dug out of the ground that can hold about 20 to 30 tons of grain each. And they leave them in there, seal the top for about two to three months at a time. How does it not just soak into the earth? Um, well, they're clay and the the grains absorb it. So at the top of the pit, you've got a very dry mash that doesn't have a lot of alcohol in it. And at the bottom, you've got very alcohol-rich mash. So what happens is after these two to three months, they open it up, and they take the mash out a layer at a time from the pit. And the, the topmost layer, which is the driest, they distill first, and then they throw it away. Then with the lower um, batches of grain, they mix in fresh grains. And while they're distilling the fermented grain, they're actually steaming the grain that they've just added so that you have fresh starch to work with when you add in the, the chew for the next batch. But essentially, a large amount of it is stuff that's kind of been continuously fermenting for forever. Wow. Yeah. At least hundreds <laughs> of years. Yeah. So um, they say with this style, because what happens is um, after you use a mud pit for about three years, um, the, the mud actually absorbs a lot of the microorganisms from the fermentation process. So the pit itself becomes part of the fermentation process. And the mash and the pit develop a kind of symbiotic relationship. Wow. Where they say to have a good strong aroma baijiu, a pit needs to be at least three years old. And for it to be what they call an old pit, to make the best baijiu, it has to be 30 years old. So Ming River uses mostly. Um, Baijiu that's taken from pits that are about 20 to 30 years old. Um, but our distillery has over 1,600 pits that are more than 100 years old. And their oldest has been in continuous use since 1573. Which is like the Yuan dynasty or something like that. The Ming right? dynasty. The Ming dynasty. Hence the name Ming River. River. And this is <laughs> strong aroma style. This is strong aroma style. And so you see with this style, um, You've got 20 to 30 tons of mash in a pit, and you're taking it out a layer at a time. And again, it's a, it's a multi thing. It's not super liquidy. It's, it's more solid No, it's, than it's mostly a solid, yeah. So what, what happens is when you're age, you age each one of these uh, batches that goes through the still separately. And so the stuff at the top of the pit and the stuff at the bottom of the pit will taste very differently. And they also have. Um, distillates that have been aged for different amounts of time, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, 50 years. And they have pits that they are drawing from in their blends, some that are hundreds of years old. Um, so 
With this style, blending is super important because there's tremendous variation between the different batches of baijiu that you get when you're making this. So you want it to be balanced, you want it to be too strong of an aroma. Right. Because then it might be a special aroma, <laughs> right? We don't want that, right? Well, you, you do want it to be rather fragrant because this style of baijiu is paired with Sichuanese food which, if you're familiar with it, is very, very spicy. It uses a lot of chili, uses a lot of garlic, uses a lot of ginger. And so you want a baijiu that can kind of coat your mouth and you know, complement the spice of the food, but also the food's gonna bring a lot of flavor to, to the spirit itself. This is one of the um, things that a lot of baijiu distilleries do. So most of them have sell dozens of different blends and the more premium marks will use more baijiu from the older pits. No single pit baijiu's yet, but I think we're gonna, I mean, it's coming to the American market. We're, they may start to tailor some of the more traditional flavor profiles to what we might be interested in. Um, what are you guys getting on the nose as you smell this Ming River baijiu that we're launching here tonight after only a year in the Southern California market? Say again? Gummy bears. Pineapple. Sure. Pineapple. Yep. Persimmon. Persimmon. But now that my cup is empty, I'm super getting this rice cheese smell. Yep. Rice cheese. Ripe cheese. Ripe cheese. Absolutely. But it's definitely really, really fruity. Now, when I was traveling in China, the baijiu that I had, I, it was like that mo tai style. That's coming next. Which, which is not fruity. No, no, at all. It's, it's very umami. And this is really fruity on the nose. You get all kinds of tropical fruits over the top of that Parmesan. So now everyone's got a little food in front of them. So now we're a little more in the traditional style of I think so. Imbibing yes. our baijiu with some food. And if you notice, one of my favorite things that I had when I was in China is was that tofu, that chili with the tofu thing. It's very traditional to Shanghai. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like Mapo tofu. Mapo tofu. It's like the dish of Shanghai. It's what everybody eats all the time. It's really great. Mm -hmm. It's uh, popular all over the country. It originated in Chengdu in Sichuan, though. Um, so it usually has a lot of spice. You can get it a lot of places. They just give it to you in like a little plastic bag, and you just eat it out of the plastic mm -hmm. bag as you're like walking through the market. That is the to-go style. Yep. I dig. <laughs> so the Ming River, everyone has this. What happened as you tap that over your tongue? Or tell me the experience of how does it how does it match with this food here? You also have some little snacks on the table. You've got these little um, sweet. They're, they're little cookies. Okay. They're like a, a thin kind of uh, fried cookie. And then uh, you have uh, peanuts and peppers. Uh, and this is a very, you know, traditional Sichuan style snack that, that would also go quite well with the baijiu. It's called magic chili peanut mix. That is what they're calling it, yes. <laughs> What's the proof on this? So this is 90 proof. Uh, it's a little bit stronger. In Sichuan, usually they bottle this at either 38 or 52% ABV. Um, so we wanted to have a blend that was somewhere in between that so that you could use it um, in the traditional way with food and it would stand up to the food, but also strong enough that it would work in a cocktail as well. As I'm tapping it over my tongue, I'm really struck by how floral it is. I'm getting like mm -hmm. a bubblegum note on there, which to me is like floral scent. What? Minty? Okay. 
It's really sweet though. It's not like the, the bajo that I had when I was in China, which is what this next, the style that I was introduced to was this motai style. Like, Wow, what, do you, what else are you guys getting off this? I'm getting bubblegum and, and I'm getting the clay. I don't know if I'm imagining it, but there's like an earthy minerality to it. To sure. Me. Like I, I can get like a little bit of that clay and then that Parmesan essence, like a, a, a so, little bit of a sharp funk. Yeah, that kind of like funky, like more like dank, dark, earthy flavor is what they call in this style the, the pit flavor. So some blends focus more on like the sweet aspects of the drink and some of them focus more on those like kind of more dark umami flavors. And um, the, if you really want to get the pit flavor, I recommend um, smelling the glass after it's completely empty. And then, then that, that smell of the distillery really comes through. So Stephanie's coming around with our third mark of the evening. What is this one called here? Okay, so this is... Thank you. This is something called sauce aroma baijiu, and that's sauce as in soy sauce. So this comes from a town called Maotai, which is very close to where that last baijiu came from. Just one province over um, in a place called Guizhou. So this distillery is called Guizhou Maotai. And what makes a sauce aroma baijiu is that it's fermented again in pits, but these are not mud pits, these are stone brick pits. So the pit itself is just a vessel for the fermentation. It's not participating in any meaningful way other than giving a neutral high yield surface. So the way that they make this is they do something similar to strong aroma baijiu where they're using a fermented sorghum and they're continuously fermenting it, but it's not indefinite. They do about eight fermentations and distillations over the course of one year. So the first two times that they do this, they're adding fresh grain into the mash, but the last five or six, they're just adding yeast. So the last five or six cycles are increasing how long the grains have been fermented and you're getting every last bit of flavor and alcohol out of it that way. And so what happens is over the year, the distillates get smokier, they get more caramelized, they get more umami in their flavor, and the alcohol level is going down lower and lower. So the way that this is made, it's 53% uh, ABV or um, 106 proof is that they actually blend all of those different cycles together from the very high alcohol, um, not very smoky, to the low alcohol, super smoky aspect, and they end up adding no water to the blend. So Wow, that's crazy. So it's a, just a pure alcohol blend. And how are they getting those phenolic notes, the smoky notes? They're not coming from wood. No, they're coming because essentially they're steaming and distilling and adding more of this yeast and mold to the mash. So they're getting every last ounce of alcohol out of them. And they're also creating um, this chemical called furfural, which gives something a really like grainy, nutty taste. Mm -hmm. So we think of this baijiu as being like the umami baijiu. It doesn't have a ton of sweetness to it, um, but it has pretty much every single flavor you can think of in the umami spectrum 
from uh, sesame, nuts, soy sauce, blue cheese, mushrooms, caramel, chocolate, coffee even. It's, mm -hmm. But it's all there at the same time. So it's a really intense layered flavor. So what are you guys getting as you nose this Wait, which is this one called again? So this is called Guajo Maotai. Guajo Maotai. Um, this is actually the single most valuable spirits brand in the planet. This distillery alone is worth more than Diageo. Um, and their flagship product sells for about 350 US dollars a bottle for like a half liter. That's a small bottle, just like what we have right now. This one is lower on the spectrum than that. This, this one is about uh, $20 for a 375. So like $40, $40 for a wow. 750. What's the, what are the names of the different levels? Because this is like Prince. So, so this is Prince. The lowest one is one that's called Ingbean. And then uh, a little higher than that is what they call Flying Fairy or Feitian. And that's, that's the standard expensive one. They have other brands, but those are the ones that you can find in liquor stores in the United States. Wow, really intriguing. So what are you guys getting as you tap this over your tongue? I'm getting like the caramel, but also like this kind of plum wine thing, and definitely that coffee note is in there as well. What are you guys getting? I'm getting a bitter, bitter chocolate. Bitter mm -hmm. chocolate? Yeah. And then I get like ground up sesame seeds. Yeah, I find sesame seeds to be the strongest note in this particular blend. Almost like a tahini thing going on there. What are you guys getting? Anybody else? Black pepper? Black vinegar. Black vinegar. Black vinegar. All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. There's a lot of complexity to that. It is super nutty on the finish, though. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very, very different. So we get into that strong aroma, and now this is the, this is not the strong aroma. This is the sauce aroma. The sauce aroma. OK, beautiful. Do you know what the Phoenix aroma is? I do know what the Phoenix aroma is. And the Phoenix aroma is one that's made, um, it's kind of a hybrid between the light aroma, which we didn't try today, but uses a, it's a sorghum-based baijiu that uses a chew based out of barley and peas. And it's fermented in a similar way to strong aroma, where it's fermented in multiple cycles in mud pits. Um, and this comes from northern China. It actually comes from a town whose name translates in English to Phoenix's Flight. So it's uh -huh. actually named after the place that it comes from, not specifically a mythological bird. Right. So more like Phoenix, Arizona. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not. All right. Just like that. And then, and then do you know what the, the special aroma is? Have you had the special aroma before? I have had the special aroma. What's the special um, aroma? from a distillery called uh, Sutta, which means like the four specials. And that one, if my memory serves me correct, is made from kind of combining um, like uh, a wheat-based chew and a rice-based chew. So you're using different fermentation styles. You're actually using a few different mashes and you're blending them together to get a really unusual, complex flavor. Yeah. So. Um, it's maybe somewhere between um, this uh, sauce aroma by Joe and the rice aroma by Joe in terms of the notes that you get out of it. Beautiful. And as you guys move forward now, Ming River, so let's back it up a little bit. Like, obviously, we're doing the pairing right now with the straight spirits and with food, which is more Chinese tradition. Right. But you guys have been doing the push to try to, like, get it into cocktails. And like you said, you were working with folks who were open the first 
Baijiu bar for cocktails in Beijing. So is, and now you, you guys have been like taking bartenders from the U.S. to go out and see the whole process and, and get them kind of hyped on like the idea of Baijiu and start to enter into the cocktail world. That's pretty atypical, yeah? Completely atypical. So China has no like indigenous tradition of mixing Baijiu with other alcohols. Um, cocktail culture is a relatively recent introduction to mainland China. So um, traditionally in China, the way that they bring flavor to Baijiu is they have it with food like we're doing tonight, or they infuse it with um, things like nuts, uh, berries, spices, and a lot of different like traditional Chinese medicine. So uh, ginseng, cinnamon, goji berries are very common things to infuse with your baijiu. But so then you're getting more similar to like a gym. You're doing botanical uh, exactly, exactly. infusions. And they call these either infused or medicinal alcohols, depending on what their purpose is. That's the medicine aroma. <laughs> well, the medicine aroma does use a lot of traditional Chinese medicines, uh, particularly in how they make their chew. Um, they mix in a lot of medicine in the, the like yeast and mold culture when they're making it. And yeah. Excellent. Really, really cool stuff. And so you even brought a little set up here tonight with the, this is the traditional kind of table serving for. Sure. Uh, so, can you explain that to so us, please? So when you drink in China, um, if you've ever been there before, if you'd like to go there, um, the way it goes down is a lot of these bottles of Baijiu, like the more, the ones that they sell in China, when you open up the bottle, oftentimes it will self-destruct in some way so that you cannot reseal the bottle. And the idea is that when you sit down for a dinner and you open a bottle of Baijiu, uh, you're finishing it that night. So the way that it's consumed is often uh, it'll be poured out into little carafes like this that will be spaced throughout the table so that you can fill your neighbor's glass. And then you pour into um, traditional Baijiu glasses, which are tiny. tiny shot glasses, usually about a third or a quarter of an ounce each. And the way that you drink it is always with toasts. So you don't sip baijiu while you're having your meal. Someone proposes a toast, and then you meet their toast. And if someone toasts you, your obligation is to toast them back before the meal ends. So if you toast 10 people, you're doing 20 shots. And it's very common that you will do 15, 30, 50 shots over the course of a meal. That's why they're so small. So on the one hand, you get quite drunk drinking this way. But on the other hand, um, public intoxication doesn't have the same stigma attached to it in China that it does in the US. So if you see someone walking down the street who's very drunk, you just think, like, wow, what a successful guy. He's out having a good time with his friends. And the other thing I like about drinking this way is that because it's reciprocal, because if you, someone shoots you, you shoot them back, you don't have this situation you get in the Western bar where you know, you've got some guys who are falling off their bar stools and some people who are just you know, casually sipping on a glass of wine. And everyone's at a different place. With Baijiu drinking in China, you're raising the temperature of the room gradually. It's getting more and more lively. It's getting louder and louder. 
and you're trying to capture uh, a feeling that they call in China renao, which means uh, loud and hot. <laughs> I'm into that. All right. Yeah, let's, yeah. Give, let's give some so, traditional um, yeah, Chinese toast. If it's, uh, if it's meant to be toasted, let's do that. All right, so let's uh, pour a couple shots of Ming River in the traditional Chinese shot glass. And the goal with these shots, you use a toast. The most common way of cheersing someone is to say gambe, which means literally dry the glass. <laughs> Gambe. Um, and so when toasting, what you try to do is you try to get the lip of your glass below the level of the person you're toasting. So if we both do you, that, yeah, you end up going down, down, down. He won. And then you say, Gambe. 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 And then afterwards, you show the room your empty glass to prove to them that you respected them enough to drink your entire glass. Well, what, what's another toast? Would you have more toast? Because like, if you're going to do 50 toasts, you must have like a whole book of toasts that you can rattle through every night. Well, I mean, gambe is just a very general toast that, that you would give anytime, like saying cheers. But usually, um, most toasts are made up on the spot. And there's kind of an art to it that you have to welcome people. You have to say how pleased you are to be spending this time with them, maybe wish them good fortune and good health and longevity. Um, so it can get very uh, melodramatic at times, but 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 it, but it, it's quite nice. And there's, there's other traditional toasts like um, Wan Sui, which means uh, 10,000 years, where you're wishing them essentially to live forever. It's like the, right. the equivalent of saying, like, long live the king. Oh, yeah. really? All right. <laughs> well, long live the king. Cheers. There you can see in my glass. I did the whole thing that time. Wow. So in, in, when you guys started bringing the Ming River to the States, so with the idea that this was more of a cock friendly version of the Baijiu, or are there going to be more such styles coming to the States? Like, are we going to get all the different aromas here? Well, our distillery only works with the strong aroma style, and this is the most popular style in China, so we felt that this would be a very representative Baijiu to initially introduce to the U.S. market. Um, there are other players who make other styles, and I think all of them should be here. One of the reasons that we, when we do tastings, bring multiple styles of Baijiu, even though we just sell the one, is because we want people to understand that Baijiu isn't just one drink, like rum or whiskey or vodka. We want you to see that this is a, a world of flavors, a world of different styles of spirits with different ingredients and techniques. And so if you know what that world of spirits is, you know what our Baijiu's place is within that world. But what we did to Ming River is mostly superficial in terms of the changes that we made. We changed the name of the, bai, the Baijiu. Like our distillery is Lujo Lao Jiao, which is unpronounceable if you don't speak Mandarin. And so Ming River is a Chinese name that represents that our Baijiu is from a river town that started making Baijiu during the Ming Dynasty. And you can remember it. 
Um, we changed the bottle a little bit, so a bottle like this doesn't look so great behind a bar. Um, but a bottle like this, you can see across the bar, and it also borrows a lot of traditional Chinese design elements while also being able to like grab by the neck from behind the back bar for bartenders who want to pour it. And then the other major change that we did to the product is the specific blend. And so we developed this blend with a bunch of bartenders in New York City, where we had four or five different styles that highlighted different parts of the strong aroma um, you know, range. And we had them tell us what they liked. Like maybe 50% of them liked A and 50% liked sample D. Then we'd take that information back to our master blender at the distillery. And they'd say, OK, we're going to give you something that gives you those flavors. And here's four more that highlight those flavors. And we kept narrowing it down until we got to this particular blend. So if you drink a lot of this style of Baijiu, you'll recognize it. and find that it's pretty appropriate for a strong aroma baijo, but it was done with the, the preferences of bartenders in mind, so that they would be able to more easily mix with it. And what is the little pedestal? There's, is that represent the clay pot, or what, so, what's going on with yeah, that? What, what this is is um, the shape of the Ming River bottle is kind of unusual, and it's based on a traditional Chinese lantern. Um, but it's also based on like kind of an iconic bottle that our distillery made. It was their main product that they sold in the 1980s. So we drew a lot of inspiration from that. Um, and we really wanted to showcase as much of China as we could while still keeping it appropriate for the, the Western bar aesthetic. Excellent. Wow. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming out for Whiskey Society tonight. Very educational, Scott. Really, really cool. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs> <laughs>